Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Well, hello, 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 and welcome to Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. I am Tom Brenneman. Great to have you with us. We thank our friends at the Believe Network for believing in this show. We thank Tony Bender, our producer engineer, for his outstanding work and the great Mike Reed of both football and music fame for creating the music that you're here under my voice right now. Uh, last week, hope you enjoyed our visit with Chris Myers. Uh, we're going to stay roughly in that same vein. A uh, young man that I worked with for a couple of years. He was our sideline reporter. was really just getting his career going. Uh, it's Peter Schrager. And for those of you that follow the NFL, you know, they have that Fox NFL Sunday kickoff, which is the pregame to the pregame. That's with Carissa Thompson and Tony Gonzalez and and that whole group. And he's a part of that show regularly. You've heard him on Colin Cowherd and Dan Patrick. He's written two books, one a New York Times bestseller. He's written for Esquire, GQ Magazine, blah, blah, blah. But you most frequently see him now as the host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. So, I mean, this guy is living breathing football and this is is one of the few cases this is not an exaggeration 24 7 365 five days a week he is talking football every morning whether it's football season or not right now of course he's out in los angeles and they're doing the show each and every day wait till you hear the hours this guy's keeping out there in la with a time difference by the way they normally do their show in new york but um he has followed every storyline, and we're going to talk about many, many things, how he got his career started. We're going to talk about you know his, him getting started at Fox Sports, at Fox News, uh, and also talk about s- some of the current topics in the National Football League. Brian Flores, uh, Alvin Kamara, as well as Kyler Murray. I, I'm sure you've seen that story. That's a weird story, man. We'll ask Peter about that. But we're also going to talk at length about the Super Bowl. Bengals v. Rams. Peter Schrager, our guest next on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. Thanks for joining us. Since 1882, Children's Home of Northern Kentucky has been a lifeline for children and families in crisis. Now known as CHNK Behavioral Health, its team of doctors, nurses, and therapists impacts nearly 4,000 kids and families every year. An array of mental health services, including counseling, addiction treatment, and psychiatric residential care. CHNK also continues to care for abused and neglected youth who are in the state's custody. Right now, CHNK Behavioral Health is offering a free 10-minute conversation with a clinical therapist to help families dealing with the increased pressures caused by the ongoing pandemic. Visit www.chnk.org for more details. Or for the free conversation with a therapist, call 1-844-YESCHNK. 
Peter Schrager was born in April of 1982. That's right. That makes him only 39 years old. I was graduating from high school in 1982. He was born in Freehold, New Jersey, graduated from Freehold Township High School, and later attended and graduated from Emory University, where he majored in political science. But while at Emory, Peter Schrager wrote for the Emory Wheel, the student newspaper, hosted a popular on-campus weekly radio show. From there, he began his career as a writer for Fox Sports in 2006. He also served as a correspondent for big sports stories on the Fox News Channel. Since then, uh, simply off the charts. He's written two books, one a New York Times bestseller. In 2013, he started appearing regularly on Fox Sports as a reporter, both in the studio, traveled with me for a couple of years, and Charles Davis and Chris Spielman as our sideline reporter. He's done that for Super Bowls. He does a seven-round mock NFL draft that has become enormously popular. You've heard him on Dan Patrick. He writes for Esquire Magazine. You see him each and every week uh, on Fox NFL Sunday kickoff. And you see him every day as host of the NFL Network's Good Morning Football. He's in Los Angeles right now getting ready for the Super Bowl. He's a husband to Erica and a father to Mel. Peter Schrager, what have I forgotten that you're most proud of, young man? What an introduction. And maybe my proudest is that I've uh, had the opportunity to work alongside guys like yourself. And, Tom, it is so, so absurd that I'm in Los Angeles about to cover a Super Bowl with your Cincinnati Bengals yes. from the Natty, and you are nowhere to be seen. How are you not on the ground here? Well, my 16-year-old son, Luke Brenneman, has asked me that question regularly, and I tell him, Luke, your dad does not have a job, and so we're not spending uh, your la-la land friends out there, you know, eight, nine, ten, fourteen thousand dollars $14,000 to sit up in the second deck. We can watch it on uh, TV with a bunch of friends, hang out, cheer. You can, you know, in my case, not his case, I can go get a cold beer. I can get to the restroom without waiting in line. So we're excited about it. Really excited. Now, listen. Oh, wait, you could talk under your breath all you want in the, in the comforts of your own house when the Bengals do something wrong on third down, and you're like, come on, guys, I well, know how it goes. You know how it goes. You, we were together long enough, you know exactly where it goes. You know, Now, look, you normally do your show in New York, and uh, but now you're out there in L.A. getting ready for the Super Bowl, time difference, obviously. So that means you're getting up L.A. time, roughly what time, and then hitting the air what time? Yeah, Tom, my alarm clock is going off at 1.40 in the morning all week. Uh, I get up, and I've got to be on that set by 3 a.m. Pacific. It is ungodly. I, I don't know what we're doing. I don't know why we're doing it, and I'm sounding like I'm complaining, but you know darn well. I'd rather be doing this than digging ditches, and uh, I'll go where I'm told. It is amazing, though, that you cannot. I cannot stay awake past 5 o'clock. It's, it's crazy. This L.A. thing is really tripping me up. Um, and yet people are still watching. We get tweets from people on the West Coast, and I'm grateful for the opportunity. Hey, I want to go back to you growing up in New Jersey. Did you always love sports? Yes. I was, as you were, and as Luke is now, I was a sick kid, obsessed with I collected baseball cards. I memorized every stat in the back. I could tell you 
about every single player and where they went to college. And then I would watch games. I would turn the volume down and I would pretend that I was a Marty Brenneman. I would pretend that I was a Jack Buck and I was just obsessed with sports. I played basketball in high school, could have played basketball in college, but instead was like, I, I don't think I would ever professionally do that. I would rather talk about it, write about it. But Tom, it was a sickness and it is a dream that I get to do it for a living. Well, you go to Emory and you know, that's a big time school. Uh, you decide to be a, a political science major, but you really, you're starting, you're, career, if you will, as a journalist. Uh, you know, you're writing at the paper, uh, you're doing this weekly radio show. Um, I mean, th- that's, you know, I always tell kids all the time, man, it's all about reps. And you were getting reps on both sides. But but did you feel like you were more, you know, going towards the, the, the journalist writer side? Or did you think the electronic side is where you ultimately wanted to be? It's a great question. Um, so my dad, as most parents who are spending tuition on college wanted me to go to law school. And he's like, you're a political science major. You're doing fine enough. You can go to law school. You could be an attorney maybe someday and, and have an amazing uh, career in that or pursue that dream. But I was like, no, I'd rather freelance write throughout my 20s and uh, sleep on friends' couches and, and find a way to scrap and write for free newspapers uh, throughout because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and what my message to kids these days coming out of high school, college is what I did was I just I just wrote and put out as much content as I could. And it was a perfect marriage of someone who was willing to put myself out there, but also the internet was just really getting off. And there were writers online who were doing their own blogs and there were writers on dot-com sites. And I, I would send all my stuff to all the people who worked online and were the editors of these online sites. And I was so fortunate that ESPN.com took a, a risk on a guy who was writing for a school paper and had his own online blog to give me a shot. And then, FoxSports.com read my stuff, liked my voice, and um, I, you know, from there, it's an opportunity goes. You better hit a home run, and uh, I like to think I did. And it just was the right time, and I was the right voice, and I was the right uh, na- naivety, and, and I had no kids and no wife, and I was like, let's go for it. So it all worked out for me, but it was following a dream and just continually, uh, continuously, not willing to say no. You know, I always like asking people because I don't think the uh, the answer is is necessarily obvious to to every single person. I mean, you know, you can read a bio about somebody and you say, "Oh, there's their big break." You know, a lot of people say to me, "Okay, your big break had to be getting the Chicago Cubs job when you're 25 years old." And, and there's no doubt that was a big break. But I think you can make an argument that there are some others in there. For you, what do you look at as being your big break? My big break, and I'll tell you what my big break is. It was when I, I knew that I could, I could not have to worry about getting health benefits from my wife or worrying about, um, I know I could have an actual salary job. And that happened after I wrote a book with Victor Cruz. So Victor Cruz was this great wide receiver, but kind of a, an out of nowhere story for the New York Giants in 2011. And he finishes this dream season. They win a Super Bowl. He comes from nowhere. And he gets, he gets given a giant book deal by a publishing company. And they said, you're not going to write the book. You're going to have someone write the book with you. And every New York Giants beat reporter and every New York Giants, uh, you know, insider, they were all interviewed for the job. But I wrote a 400-word GQ.com article on Victor Cruz earlier in the season, and we got along. And he, who was 24 years old at the time, 
went out of his way and said, where's that guy who I did that article with all the way back then wow. uh, at GQ.com? They said, bring him in for this. So I got a call out of the dark. Uh, not a lot of money, not a lot, not a lot of uh, stability in that opportunity. But writing that book with Victor, I suddenly had this thing on my resume where, okay, we wrote a New York Times bestseller together. Victor's the hottest guy in New York sports. He wanted me around. We worked together great. He would go on to do other things. He would always have a place for me. And then from there, I was able to bang down some doors. And ultimately, you know, Fox NFL, they needed a, a sideline guy for mm-hmm. a seventh crew. I jumped at the chance and then Fox sports one starts launching and there's an opportunity there. And then the, the biggest break of course was good morning football on the NFL network. They wanted me to be one of the permanent hosts. And uh, then from there on, I, I've been trying to tackle as many things as possible, but I got to say running that book with Victor Cruz, I, that was the fork in the road for me. And it wasn't financial. It was more just profile and an opportunity and someone actually saying to him, we want you not the other way around of, Oh, please, please, please. Can I work for you? Yep. Yep. Um, you're a fixture now on Fox, uh, as well as the NFL Network and doing your show every morning. Um, tell me about this mock draft, but, but because look, you know, a lot of people, they, they, you know, the Mel Kuyper Jr. was one of the first guys to kind of start that thing. And they'd walk you through the first, you know, maybe round or two when they're coming up with it, you're putting together seven rounds. How in the world can you possibly do that? I mean, where are you finding the time, the resources, whatever the case may be, the help to go through all the thousands of players that are coming out of college that are draft eligible? Yeah, it's not. It's it, that's a labor of love. That one, and it's actually one of the things I look forward to doing the most. I know exactly when I've got to get really started with it, and it starts actually around the Senior Bowl. And I start collecting my data and start talking to all the different GMs that I'm friendly with, and say, hey. Not only give me your, your 50 guys, you don't have to tell me who you like, just give me the 50 guys for the first, you know, 50 picks. And let's go a little deeper cut. Let's go give me your first 90 picks. And then as we expand to the combine, all right, we got 300 guys at the combine. I'll go to the combine. And whereas everyone else is trying to, you know, figure out the first round, I'm like, okay, who are the fourth through seventh round guys? And then after the combine, as we have two months leading up to the draft, you've got all these different players and all these different scouts. And I've had an opportunity to build some real good relationships where I take a lot of pride in the fact that I know about a thousand names that go into that draft. And usually I'm pretty spot on with the, you know, whoever it is, the amount of uh, a couple hundred guys who are going to get selected. I feel pretty good in that 225 guys. out of the thousand that I have on my board. There's rarely one that's slipped through the cracks. Um, a lot of the, this guy's going to go here, this guy's going to go there. That's for the fans. I'm just placing guys in potential needs. But I take a lot of accuracy in knowing there are 250 guys taken every year. I would say in my seventh round, in my seventh round Mac, I put 300 names out. Most likely all 250 of those 300 guys that are going to be in my list, they're usually the ones getting drafted. So take a ton of pride in it. It's a labor of love, but uh, there is quite an audience for it, Tom. Fans of the NFL love their mock drafts. All right, before we get to the Super Bowl, I'm going to walk through a couple of topics because you are Fox's guy uh, on so many of these stories, whether it's breaking them, following up, getting the inside information. The whole Brian Flores thing, should the league be worried or scared about this thing? Well, the league, I think, you know, I don't know if worried or scared, but the league should take action and not worry about the legal side of it, but the message that he's making. Because he's absolutely right. 
absolutely right that there is an appalling lack of people of color as head coaches in the NFL, considering the amount of players uh, that are people of color in the NFL, but also in America and, and in the world of business. Like, why is the NFL so far behind in that? So, look, the lawsuit, the lawsuit itself, that's, a, that's an entirely different topic. But the topic of what he's bringing up and what he's, I would say, you know, and I, you say what you want about this. I think there was a really good chance Brian Flores could have been the Saints or the Texans head coach. And then once that lawsuit came out, I think he kind of put himself out there for the better of others for future to make this a hot button issue during Super Bowl week. So worried about it financially? I don't know. I think we either get a settlement or there's no case or whatever it is. But if you want to talk about impact, Brian Flores has people talking, and I think we're going to see a lot of different things happening in the next few years, whether it be at the ownership level or at the team president level, and hopefully at the head coaching level. I think what Flores did, it raised awareness, and it made this a hot-button topic in a week that they wanted to talk about Bengals, Rams, and how great is the Super Bowl in L.A.? Look, we live in a country right now where there are people who have a rap sheet as long as my arm, and they're still walking around on the streets. Um Alvin Kamara, uh, I mean, beat a guy. Uh, the, the pictures that have come out are just unbelievable. Now, look, I, you know, as as Harry Carey, my old dear friend, used to tell me all the time, there's not two sides to every story. There's three sides to every story. Your side, my side, and the truth, right? But Alvin Kamara, is this guy in trouble on this thing? I haven't been following the story as closely as I okay. should be. To be all right. Honest. Okay, well, you got I'm a lot going on. No, but I'll say this, uh, you know, the NFL, look, they don't suffer many fools when it comes to this kind of stuff. And I would say if, if there's an investigation into Kamara, that is not only a huge story for the NFL, but it's a huge story for the best player. Well, he, he is unquestionably a huge story and a great player. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see how that whole thing plays out. The last thing I want to ask you uh, until we get to the Super Bowl is uh, this Kyler Murray thing. Um, again, I know you're 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 morning, noon, and night, getting ready for the Super Bowl game, and you're there in L.A. But you know, I, uh, my wife's born and raised in Arizona. Her dad's out there in Arizona. Follows the Cardinals, lives and dies with them. And and he called me up on the phone yesterday from Arizona, and he's like, "You know anything about it?" I'm like, "I know nothing about it." Uh, what are your thoughts about this? I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, these are grown men we're talking about. Kyler Murray, Steve Kahn, Michael Bidwell, Chris Kingsbury. The fact that we are talking about Kyler Murray unfollowing the Arizona Cardinals on Twitter and it actually having validity as an NFL story tells you that this place, this franchise might not be in as stable a footing as they might have hoped going into this past season. I think the season ended in a horrible fashion. Yeah. I thought Kyler Murray was terrible in that game and I think there were questions raised like what is what is this team now you could easily say they lost DeAndre Hopkins you know Rodney Hudson was injured for a lot of it they lost JJ Watt for most of the year and that's why they went down but for the second straight year this team collapsed at the end and I don't I don't know what the case is with Kyler I don't know where his head's at but there is nothing done unintentional by these young men. And this is not just an accident. And by doing that, he has caused ripples. He has caused waves. And the irony is his agent, the same agent as Kingsbury's agent. And I don't know how this all goes down and where we're at with those two. So I'm fascinated to see how this plays out. I, you know, I don't know what your father-in-law says, Tom, but this might be a guy who sees himself as a $40 million core. 
Yep. Yeah. I mean, it, look, it's it's a complicated thing. There's no question about it. And 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 this is just such a bizarre twist. All right. On to the Super Bowl. Um, you said the other day that you think the Cincinnati Bengals are not only a great story, but also a great American story. Why is that? I said that on Good Morning Football. Yep. And a lot of people like rolled their eyes. Because what better story is a team that won four games last year, has won six games in the last two years, and says, screw it, let's go shock everybody and do it. The NFL is a billion-dollar business. These guys were 125 to one odds. And it's not like there's an underdog story that nobody believes in us. They believe in each other. And I think it's cool. I really do. I think you put this team, and you're gonna. I'm not patronizing or condescending anyone in Cincinnati or the Midwest. But you put this team, and you put them up against the glitz and glamour, of what the Rams represent with their billion-dollar stadium and with all their stars and their hotshot coach. And you got this blue-collar team with a quarterback who just is unfazed and would probably be the same exact guy if he made a dollar a day as if he made a million dollars a day. There's something really cool about this Bengals team. And, Tom, you tell me, you're in that market. The word that I use, which is so rarely used with today's athletes, there's a lot of humility on this team. These guys, they're not about themselves. They're about each other. I love this squad. I, it's really hard not to root for them. It's really not hard not to say, hey, this is what our country sh- kind of should be about. Guys who are selfless, guys who are working for a common goal, guys from all different backgrounds working together to do the impossible. You know, I, I think you see that uh, when you watch them play regularly is, you know, look, everybody talks about Burrow, rightfully so. Heisman Trophy winner, national championship, you know, Ohio kid from Athens, Ohio, goes to Ohio State and got to need a chance to play there. He goes to LSU, wins the whole thing, first pick in the draft, blows his knee out last year. Everybody around here screaming and yelling and, you know, everything, get, get him an offensive line, rightfully so. Uh, but, 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 you know, it, just the way they go about their business inside of games is I think it speaks volume as to where they are collectively and individually. Um, you know, and, and I use the offensive line as a, as a great example. Look, they know they gave up a sack. They know they gave up nine sacks. But when it came time and when it comes time in the Raider game, in the Tennessee game, in the second half of the Chiefs game, when it came time to protect Joe Burrow and give this guy and his offensive weapons a chance, they were there and delivered the goods. Burrow gets a pub, and the defense is the same way. I, I just think that, you know, they, they for the first time, they spent a little money, a lot of money, on defense. They have, they have not fallen at all or failed at all on any of those guys they picked up, from Von Bell to Eli Apple, who would have thought that coming in a million years, oh, to Trey good. Hendrickson, to, you know, Mike Hilton, to on and on and on and on. And DJ I just think Reader. there's – what's that? DJ Reader. Well, DJ Reader, right, and they make the trade for BJ Hill, who, you know, look, we did a lot of Giants games through the years. Hill was a nice, solid player, but he's become a big player with his team. You know, you you talk about the vibe. Um, and I and I know you went from New York to you know, across the country, and 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 you get out there to California. But but I just read yesterday somewhere, and I can't remember where it was, but I think it said that thirty eight of the fifty states, the people are rooting for the Bengals. Do you get that yeah. feeling? Absolutely, absolutely. And when we talk about the Rams on Good Morning Football, the universal response is. 
rolled eyes, one percent, elite, like dream team, bought their team. And whether that's true or not, the Bengals vibe is like such a fun story. Uh, you know, you mentioned all these guys. We had Tyler Boyd on the show. And there was a question that was like very much served up for him to talk up about his game and the wide receivers room. And he quickly deflected and was like, how good was our defense against the Chiefs? How good was our defense? They saved the day. They're the ones who kept us in it. And I'm like, that's a rare quality. That's a rare quality for a wide receiver to deflect and talk about the defense. They are a selfless group, man. And I can understand why a lot of people are rallying around them. Um, the Rams are an imposing group. Um, there's no question about that. We'll get to their defense here in a minute. But I want to ask you about Matthew Stafford because when you were doing the stuff and then and, and, and we were working together and doing a game every single week, you know, we'd have the Lions Tell them, Tom. more than from time to time. And, and look, you know, I was always a guy in the room. I love Stafford as a guy, and he's an unbelievable talent, great arm strength. Maybe I think his greatest trait of all is his toughness. I, I, I will say that even when I would get on his case, and I got on his case a lot, on the air and off the air, but he's one of the toughest dudes I've ever seen play football. Um, what an incredible opportunity this is for him. It's, it's, it's a dream. It's a dream that happened in one year. It's so good. I mean, here's the thing with, with us. I used to say Stafford should be an MVP consideration. You guys would bust my chops. Um, and I, you know, and he wasn't worthy of MVP back then. But 13 years, Tom, in one place. And I don't think he's complained once. I don't think he bitched once. I don't think he ever moaned. He took a beating. And that, that place, before our buddy Spielman got involved and before Dan Campbell got involved and, and, and Holmes, who's doing a great job as the GM, that place was dysfunctional. Whether you like it or not, it was. And, and, and that's why they have no relationship contentious with Calvin. And yet, Stafford finds a way to thread that needle where he's not the petulant veteran trying to get out of a deal. He ends that place in a good spot. He gives away a lot of money to inner city schools in Detroit on the way out. And now in one year, he finally has the support system and it's cool to see him enjoy some success. Yep, yep. You know, he, he, he broke Jim Hart's record for most regular season games won without having a playoff win this year. And guess what? That was a punchline. Hey, in, in a few days, we might be saying, wow, what a cool turnaround that he actually won a Super Bowl in that same season. You look at their defense, and, and you know, look, uh, you turn on the radio out here, it, 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 it's 24-7, you know, uh, for the last, uh, you know, month and a half, but especially these, this last week and a half as we're closing in on Super Bowl Sunday about, you know, this Bengals offensive line. Uh, they took a huge hit when Riley Reef went down. Uh, they play, uh, you know, the rookie Isaiah Prince out of um, Ohio State. Um, he's had certainly his ups and downs starting at right tackle. Um Aaron Donald, Von Miller, um, Floyd, you know, right on down the line. I mean, I mean these guys are, are as good as it gets. And, you know, the question everybody wants to know, and I, I'm asking you, what do you think? Can this Bengal offensive line hold up and give Burrow a chance to throw the ball? I think that the, the way that they played in the second half of the Chiefs game might have – pulled the wool over some people's eyes is just how bad they were against Tennessee and how bad they were in the regular season. Burrow got sacked 51 times. It's unacceptable. Um, I think they're going to have their hands full. I really do. I think Aaron Donald's going to feast. And I know that might not be popular in Cincinnati. and they might be. That's the truth. Aaron Donald is a beast. He's impossible to stop. It's going to take a really, really different performance than what we've seen from the Bengals for them to stop him. But guess what? 
Burrow was finding a way to escape Chris Jones's grasp. He was finding a way to dodge Frank Clark. This Burrow is pretty magical. So they might be living in their backfield, but he's found a way, even with nine sacks against Tennessee and with the Chiefs defensive lineman being able to get to him last, last time they played. What, what else, you know, in your week plus of preparation now, knowing the two teams that are in this game, besides that storyline, what other storyline jumps out to you that could, could mean the difference between winning and losing for either team? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I actually have had a uh, really, really good opportunity to dig into these storylines because I've been doing it for two straight weeks. And I think the, the Rams running game is actually a really interesting deal because Cam Akers has not been lighting it up these playoffs, and they're going to need him. They're going to need to establish it. So if the Bengals can stop the Rams the first couple drives, and if Cam Akers is held quiet, then you're relying on Stafford to throw it 40, 50, 60 times. Guess what? When they made Mahomes do that, didn't succeed. So I think that that running game from the Rams is going to be huge. If Cam Akers starts running early and they start getting yards, Good night, Irene. But if they can stop Cam early and they can stop Michelle early, I think we get to the second quarter and it's three to three. It's on. See, you know, I, I mean, I, I agree with you in, in that assessment, but I also think that Mixon is a huge part of this game because Mixon, for people who, you know, I mean, look, he had a third most rushing yards in the league this year. And there were games when, when you didn't even know he was on the field and Zach Taylor slinging a thing around or having his quarterback sling around, you know, 40, 50 yeah. times in a game. Uh, Mixon, for my money, is one of the top four or five all-around backs in a league. He can catch it. He can run it. He's tough. He's physical. He's fast. Um, and, and, and as dominant as that L.A. front four is getting to the quarterback along with help from from Miller. But as dominant as they are in that regard, there are teams that have run the ball. Now, the 49ers did not run the ball against him, but there are some other teams that, that, that have run the ball against him. Do you think that that could be a big deal? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a huge deal. And I think if Joe Mixon is getting hot and they can't stop him, that's the last thing the Rams want to have their defense on the field for drive after drive after drive and sustained drive after drive after drive. Rams want to come out. They want to score fast. They want to get a little early lead, and they want to put them away, and they want to keep mixing off the field. So, yeah, I mean, look, both these coaches, they both defer at the opening coin toss. They've done it all season. What do they do? That first possession is huge. And if Joe Mixon is gobbling up yards, did they run in for a touchdown or McPherson hits a nice field goal and gets up 3 nothing? we got a ball game. But if they could stuff Mixon, they could sack Burrow early, I think the Rams are a momentum team, and that snowball could really get out of hand. Well, Peter, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you. Uh, there are going to be so many people that will be listening to this show, not only in Cincinnati but everywhere, that, uh, that, 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 that loved hearing you know, a little bit more about you and where you came from. They see each and every morning because the NFL is just – I mean, it continues to blow up uh, beyond, beyond description. Uh, you know, you look at you look at the the NBA ratings are in the tank. Baseball ratings are in the tank. Uh, the NFL, you know, after a hiccup following the whole Kaepernick thing and a few other things, so on and so forth. But I mean, this postseason has just been insane. It's been amazing, and the ratings have been amazing. Dude, Tom, the Pro Bowl got higher ratings than like NBA Finals games. That's where we're at right now. So. 
it's been great. And I got to tell you, from a personal standpoint, Tom, you could you could have always been, in, uh, you know, uh, uh, skeptical of my career. You could have been. I entered your crew, and you were, you know, one of these established guys. You could not have been kinder, more gracious, and really a great friend to me. And I love your family, and I love you, dude. So I appreciate you asking me on this. But honestly, for those at home, like, uh, there may be no better guy you want in a, in a what would you call it even? What, what's the war analogy? Whatever it is, if we're in the trenches, I'm taking you with me, but I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the kind words, my man. You know, I love you like my, you're the little brother I never have. And so I used to I give know. you a beating in private and in public, but we all uh, we all knew where it, it was coming from. It. Best to uh, Erica and Mel, and God bless you guys. Have a great time the rest of this week. And where are you, where are you actually physically watching the Super Bowl? I'll be at the game. I got to do pregame for NFL Network, and then I'll have a press pass, and I'll be watching the game. And uh, maybe I'll check out uh, a couple of things afterwards if I can enjoy a night out here after I'm going to bed at 6 p.m. all week long. Well, brother, if you don't get out and do something on Sunday night, I'm going to be bitterly disappointed. Do you have to work <laughs> Monday morning? Of course I do. That's well, what we do, Tom. Uh, all right. All right. All right, maybe my I'll man. Get, maybe I'll get to the. Maybe I'll get to the Hotel Indigo, and maybe there's a downtown uh, pool party going on. And there, there you go. There you go. Well, I might be coming down late if there are pool parties going on out there. We got to do it, man. All right. All right, Peter. Take care of yourself, my friend. You're the best, Tom. Thank you, man. Peter Schrager, kind enough to join us on Dialed In with Tom Brenneman. And uh, I'm telling you, that that that's a guy, man. You talk about a guy you root for. I mean, he he was just this, you know, young pup and coming into our group. And, you know, you, you really got to know Chris Spielman, the kind of guy he is. And, you know, gruff, tough, and the whole nine yards. And Schrager's just uh, always smiling and laughing and joking. And uh, he went jersey on us from time to time now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, he'd go jersey on us every now and again. But, but that guy's the best. I, I'm just so thrilled and, and, and so excited about the way his career is going and will continue to go, good Lord willing. And, um, and uh, we thank him for joining us. This week, we thank you for joining us. We thank our producer engineer, Tony Bender. We thank the folks at the Believe Network for believing in this show. And we thank you for joining us. We'll catch up with you next week. Who will be the Super Bowl champion? The Cincinnati Bengals or the L.A. Rams. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.